1: guys. Thanks so much for tuning in today. Got a great show for you. We welcome Andrew Marshall. And Andrew is a marital therapist with 35 years of experience and the author of 20 books translated into 20 different languages. And he is best known for his international bestseller, I love you, but I'm not in love with you. And he's also the host of The Meaningful Life with Andrew G. Marshall podcast, where he talks to people from all walks of life about what makes their life meaningful. And today we talk about the topic of his book, I love you, but I'm not in love with you. And what that means, if you feel that towards your partner, or if your partner maybe said that to you. And we talk a lot about how to navigate that. But even if you're not feeling that particular feeling, we talk a lot about conflict resolution. And Andrew gives some great dialogue examples of ways that we can talk to our partner or listen to our partner in the most productive way to resolve conflict. So always valuable to have that information. And I love when we get like those specific dialogue markers of if your partner says something like this, how we can respond and vice versa. So Really love that and appreciate all you guys for tuning in. It is really a privilege to to be able to sit here and talk to experts on relationships and get this information right alongside you because that is what I'm trying to do is, is improve myself and improve my relationships in my life. So good on you for tuning in and thank you so much. Enjoy today's show. Hi, Andrew. Thanks so much for joining me on the show.
2: It's my pleasure.
1: Today, we're going to talk about something that some of our listeners may be feeling themselves or something that maybe their partner has said to them, and that is, I love you, but I'm not in love with you. So why don't we start by having you tell us what that means if a partner is experiencing that, and then we'll talk about how we can navigate it.
2: Um, If you've been told this, um, it is absolutely devastating. So my commiserations uh, to you. What it means is they sort of want the best for you. They think you're a good person, but actually all the passion and the love is drained out of the relationship. And as many people in this situation say to me, we feel like brother and sister or flatmates. and, And that's sort of nice but it's not really a foundation for continuing the rest of your life together. And so it is a warning that the relationship is in a very dark and dangerous place. Now, sometimes people think, oh, well, you know, we will press on and we'll just be nicer to each other. And they hope that's going to make it better. But really, you're just kicking the can down the road. And if you're told, I love you, but I'm not in love with you, please do take it very seriously indeed. So
1: let's say, someone is feeling this, they're like, I I love my partner, but I'm not in love with them, that the passion is gone. And that's starting to creep into their head. What questions can they kind of ask themselves before they just run to their partner? Like, Hey, you know, I'm not in love with you anymore, but I still love you. What, What can we start to go through in our heads if we're starting to feel that?
2: Well, I think you first of all need to own up to how long you've been feeling this, because um, what generally tends to happen with inconvenient and uncomfortable feelings is we sort of push them away. um, And we say, oh, I don't really feel like that, or I'm just stressed at work, or it'll be better when the children go to school, um, or the, the weather changes, or... Something else. Um, And of course, actually, it's something quite important and fundamental. So um, I think you have to own up to actually how serious it is and how long it's been going on for. Um, And it's often very difficult because a lot of the people who um, come to me with, I love you, but I'm not in love with you, um, are often what their friends think as the perfect couple. You know, when they go out together, they are very friendly. They don't argue. Everything on paper looks absolutely wonderful. But actually, the reality is that they're just friends. It's actually a little bit bleh inside. Or maybe it's a life of quiet desperation inside there. And what you need to do is realize why it's happened.
1: And what are some of the questions we can ask ourselves about why it's happened and then some of the steps we can take to reignite that passion?
2: Well, the most important thing is you need to be able to argue constructively. And most people with I love you but I'm not in love with you um, are able to keep everything nice um or not to fight. I often get people who say, you know, my parents fought like cat and dog and I promised I would not fight. Um, and certainly not over little things. But actually what happens when we're upset with our partner um and we say, oh, you know, don't go there. We're friends, we've got to be nice to each other. Um, you've perhaps grown up in families that don't fight. What you do with those negative feelings is you push them down and push them underground. And we think we can actually switch off the nasty feelings like anger, bitterness, (laughs) frustration, fed up, resentment. We think we can switch those off and, you know, put a nice big smile and think happy thoughts but we can't choose which feelings we switch off. And sooner or later, we switch off all of our feelings. So nearly always, I love you, but I'm not in love with you, is because the couple don't argue enough. And the wonderful thing about arguments, I know it sounds strange to say this, is that it's a very good way of bringing issues up to the surface, because you start arguing about, I don't know, the washing up. But actually, other issues come up that have been buried as well and before you know it you might have actually got to some really quite important things Um, and then when they've come up to the surface you can actually deal with them and I, I don't know how you're going to feel about this but actually arguing is a very intimate thing you can do and unfortunately When you get, I love you, but I'm not in love with you, lots of couples try and do more loving things for each other. They say, let's go out on dates. Let's reignite the passion by putting silk sheets on the bed. But what's happening is they are still avoiding the arguments. You know, I thought when people read my book, I love you, but I'm not in love with you, that they would come away with this central message, argue more and argue constructively. And We can talk about what makes a constructive argument later. Um, but actually people often don't want to hear that they're so much a people pleaser they're doing what their partner wants um which is a wonderful thing to do but actually what can sometimes happen is both of you are people pleasers. both of you are trying to to please the other person they say where should we go to have food this evening you say i don't care wherever you want to go and they say i don't care wherever you want to go And, you know, we've got just no passion in this relationship whatsoever. Um, So people pleasers and I love you, but I'm not in love with you nearly always goes hand in hand.
1: Let's talk about how we can argue more constructively. So someone's been suppressing these emotions. They they're feeling these things inside. How can they approach their partner in a constructive way?
2: Well, the most constructive thing you can do is to actually say, I love you, but I'm not in love with you. Because it's a very much a wake up call. Um, The sort of euphemisms that people tend to use before they reach, I love you, but I'm not in love with you is, you know, I'm not feeling it anymore. And, you know, oh, you know, I'm fed up and... Generally, their nice partner comes along and says, oh, don't worry, you know, we'll try harder, you know, I'll lose some weight and they don't really get the seriousness of it. So, you know, the first thing is really do say this is how you feel because you will be heard, in my experience. The next thing you have to do is be angry. Um, Do you know the story of Pandora and her box from classical, classical mythology?
1: Kind of, but share it
2: with us. Well, this is possibly one of the most important things to remember with, I love you, but I'm not in love with you. Um, Pandora was given this box and she was told whatever she does, don't open the box. And in stories when people are told not to open the box, what do they do?
1: Of course,
2: (laughs) open it up. Yep. And what comes out is all the furies of the world. And that's what, unfortunately, is going to happen when you finally, you know, start to argue. And it really doesn't matter. It is just so important to just go bang and let it all out because what's actually left in the box in the story after all the furies of the world had come out was hope. And what will happen is you will have a really blistering argument. But... um, if you take it seriously and you know your partner hears that you know this is not going to be pushed under the car but you actually realize the seriousness of all of this you will you will actually create a sense of hope the sense that your partner will be listened to you take seriously what they're saying so they say we don't go out enough you know you spend all your time at work now If somebody says that to you, your um, immediate response is, um, you know, um, we did go out three months ago and, you know, we have to, I have to work hard because it pays the bills and those things might be true, but you're not actually taking your partner's feelings seriously and they feel if you don't take their feelings seriously because you want to try and rescue it and make it all better straight away, that nothing can change. So when they get angry, don't try and play nice and push it over. You know, acknowledge their anger. You know, I can see you're really angry. And find out exactly what they're angry about. And at that moment, go into their shoes. It's going to be really difficult, but, you know, saving relationships is not a piece of cake. And from where they're say, standing, everything you say, the, everything they say is the truth. I'll say that again because it's important. From where your partner is standing, everything they say is the truth. So from their place in their shoes, you don't go out anymore and you do spend too much attention on work. So if you take their feelings seriously, if you take their their thoughts seriously they're going to believe you're taking them seriously and that is actually going to be beginning to rebuild the bond so you know you can give your your side of the side of the um, of the thing afterwards but make certain that they have had their chance to really hear so allow them to be angry or be angry yourself The next thing you want to do is actually sit down together (laughs) and say, what are the issues we cannot talk about? Now, have a think about that. What are the issues you can't talk about? And I'm sure if you are honest with yourself, you'll write down some things like, you know, you hate her mother she earns more than you do. You know, those unmentionable topics you're not allowed to talk about, um, they do need to be talked about. And this is the moment you're going to talk about them. So we're giving ourselves permission to have feelings. We're beginning to actually address the issues that we have not attached any importance to over the last few years because we're so in love and we're going to be so nice and we're performing love to everybody that we're not actually taking the real temperature.
0: Before we continue on, we're going to take a short break to tell you about our sponsors. Money is one of the biggest stressors in relationships. While worrying about it doesn't help a ton, Earning actually does. Our sponsor, Earnin, is an app that gives you access to your pay as you work up to $100 per day or up to $750 pay period max, and location. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Do you want to know one of my favorite meals? It's a slice of toasted bread with tomato, mozzarella, basil, olive oil, salt and pepper, and a little drizzle of balsamic glaze. Makes my heart happy. It's so simple. It's so delicious. And I love that all the ingredients get to show off their individual flavors. I used to eat it all the time as my easy go-to meal. And then all of a sudden, there was a ton of messaging out there telling me that I shouldn't eat carbs and that I shouldn't eat bread and that bread is bad. And I hate to admit it, but I cut out bread entirely for the longest time. And it wasn't until recently that I started to understand that not all bread is created equal. No complicated routine, just simple, scientifically validated solutions. If you're looking for skincare products that are simple and effective, for a limited time, you'll get an exclusive 15% off your first OneSkin purchase when using the code IDO when you check out at oneskin.co. I've been using OneSkin's body lotion for about a month, and I've already seen noticeable improvements with small wrinkles and textures on my skin, specifically on the back of my neck and the back of my hands, two places where I get a lot of sun. Plus, my skin looks and feels healthier all around.
1: You've said a couple of really valuable things, and I just want to visit the idea that recognizing from where our partner is standing, everything they say is the truth and validating their feelings, even if that is not what you think is going on. Now, let's just say, and I don't want to say, you know, our partner is always wrong, but obviously there's going to be times when what they're saying is not near the truth. So We validate their feelings, say, oh, I'm I'm sorry you're feeling that way. Tell me more.
2: No, 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 no. I'm sorry you're feeling that way is saying, you know, you shouldn't be feeling that way. You know, you're feeling angry. I understand that. Or just I can see that you're angry. Don't put those, you know, I'm sorry you're angry, you know, because almost the next sentence is you've got no right to be angry. It's a half-arsed apology. No, do not say those words.
1: I'm eating my own words here, and that's why you're on the show, to correct me. So that that's super important, and I love these dialogues examples. So we say, I, I see that you're angry,
2: and then we get curious. And if, don't worry if you get it wrong, because they'll soon correct you. I'm not angry. I'm blooming furious. <laughs> and, you know, you're, you're completely furious. And then they say, you know, because... We never go out anymore and you work all the time. So you're saying that I get... So you effectively um, feed it back to them. You reflect it back. You say, so I see that... I I hear that you're angry because we don't go out anymore and, and in your opinion, I spend all my time at work. Um, And they will probably not just... um, Uh, say that's right they will give 30 examples of uh, of all of that and you know you you um, listen to those and you know you might even reflect back those things because being felt that you're heard even if there are things that are painful and difficult, that is an incredibly loving thing to do. You're really showing what love is, that you love your partner because you're prepared to listen to their upset and, you know, not try and dismiss it or make it smaller or tell them that they shouldn't be feeling like that. So that is the incredibly loving thing to do. And then, then, Here we have the three most loving words in the English language. Do you know what the three most loving words in the English language are? I see you. Not bad, not bad, but this is even better. Tell me more. Now... (laughs) to actually say to somebody who's giving you all this criticism tell me more you can see how loving that is because you know you are prepared to listen to all of this stuff you know i love you is a way of trying to shut them up you know i love you so please don't upset me this is you're upsetting me but please tell me more that is incredibly loving so you know say tell me more you know really listen to this um and, you know, if the criticism is that you spend all your time at work, you know, I I would be almost tempted to phone in work the next morning and tell them you're sick and say, you know, I'm actually not going into work tomorrow, so we can actually really talk about this and I can really hear what it feels like from your point of view. And, you know, sometime in that day, you're going to actually discuss, um, you know, how you see things but you know once your partner has been listened to they will return the favor it's something i often say instead of demanding things from people be the change you want to see so you know if you want to be heard and taken seriously you have to you have to listen and take your partner seriously
1: that is really valuable way to frame things and, and not demanding of our partner, but acting in the way in which we would like to be treated. So you've given us some great dialogue examples now. And Notice how I want to get to the part where we're able to respond. So our partner is angry. We're saying, I see that you're angry. Tell me more, being curious. And then at what point can we talk about our side of the situation and how can we do that
2: um i think i'd like some curious questions a few more not just curious i'd like some curious questions how does this make you feel when do you feel that can you give me an example of a time when you felt like this oh i'm not quite certain i understand that could you run that past me again you know really lots of curious questions curious questions start who why what when how Um, They're not leading questions, you know. Wouldn't you agree that um, I I took this job so that I could spend more time at home sort of kind of thing? No, you're not a barrister. You're there curious. You want to find out. Um, But yes, there does come a time when, you know, you're allowed to have your side of the piece. So what you do is you say, you know, um i have really interested in what you've been saying, you know, and I've really learned some important things, you know, might even tell them what you've learned. Um, that would be really brilliant. Um, can I tell you how things are from my point of view? Now, if they say, well, you know, you're now going to make this all about you or whatever, and they're going to get defensive and angry, now is not the time to do it. You know, there's always tomorrow or the day after tomorrow. Um, but I promise you that they will be interested once they've been heard. And generally, I love you, but I'm not in love with you, um, uh, couples, they're so nice that they'll be only too anxious to hear you. In fact, the problem might be that they won't they won't tell you enough about how they're feeling because they're going to want to try and make it better straight away. Um, so actually almost if they're taking a long time, that's probably good because there's a lot that's got to come out.
1: And, you know, we say, can I tell you how things are from my point of view? Let's say someone that's listening is like, yeah, I did that. And then my partner is not super receptive to, to hearing my side. What would you tell them?
2: Yeah. um, I mean, I'd be interested to know why you're not super receptive to hearing my point of view. You know, tell me more about that. Um, Because there must be a very good reason, because you love this person, you've spent all these years with them, and they don't want to listen to you, and they don't take what you're saying seriously. I wonder why that is. And it's probably because there's some really big hurts Um, that have not been attended to. Um, You know, there's some things from the past that are really painful that have just been sort of pushed all over. Um, And so, you know, let's find out that. um, If they really don't want to listen, and it's really difficult once you've got all of this going, then, you know, it might be that you need a third wheel to help you along it could be when you think that you're being open and hearing things you're actually being defensive and a little bit passive aggressive you know oh you would say that um now and that somebody on the outside can actually spot some of these things um, and actually you know help you find ways of reformatting it you know if actually Uh, one person is speaking all the time and the other person's not speaking at all, Um, they can help sort of balance up the time. Because sometimes um, there is one partner who is far more verbally effective than the other. Um, And maybe the less verbally agile person just needs a bit more time to formulate their thoughts. If that's you, you know, go away, write it all down Think about what it is you really want to say because sometimes, you know, you're going around the houses to say it and that's destructive. Maybe you're using a lot of you words. Now by this, you know, the the reason why I don't come home is because every time I come through the door, you've got this look on your face and, you know, I'm fed up with coming back and having that look on my on your face. So it's all about you. But if you make it all I statements, I feel it's difficult to come home because of the atmosphere in the home, you know, I dread coming home sometimes. This is all about you, you yourself, rather than actually being heard as blame to your partner. So use I words. Try never to use the word you when you're at this particular point. You know, actually say we. If you have to do something that brings in your partner, but try not to say the word you. The next one I would say that would really help is cut out all the extreme words like should, never, always, because your partner is immediately going to think of some examples um, when they have done this or something has actually happened um, that contradicts you. But um, if you say often... Um, they're more likely to hear it, and it's not going to feel quite so critical. Um, The other word I would try and cut out is the word but. Um, As you can see in I love you, but I'm not in love with you, what it actually does is it just cuts out everything that's come before you. So instead of the I love you, um, we hear I'm not in love with you. So people often say yes, but. Now, if you disagree, you say yes, and. Yes, I hear that I spend a lot of time at work, and I wish I could be with you and our children more often, but work is very demanding. So you're making both of these things equally important. If you use the word but, it negates. So let me just go through those three things again. Use I statements rather than use, ban the word but from your conversation, and also, get rid of the always musts, shoulds, nevers, those absolutes.
0: Before we continue on, we're going to take a short break to tell you about our sponsors. Listen to The Dr. John Deloney Show wherever you get your podcasts or follow the link on our website. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now.
1: These are some great dialogue tools, Andrew, and ways that we can argue better and more productively. What are some other ways we can create more passion and shake things up in a relationship that has gone a bit dull?
2: Right. Let's talk about sex then, shall we? Um, my, number one, my number one tip for sex is really just to learn to talk about sex because, and this actually is a technique for talking about difficult things in general. It's called positive inquiry. Now, let me explain about positive inquiry. The problem when we have a problem is um, like, you know, our sex life is dull is we're immediately going to solve it. We're going to think of 10 reasons why it's dull, aren't we? We're going to think, oh, you know, we've been together for 20 years. The children are up late at night. You know, we're going to think problems, problems, problems. And, you know, I'm already more depressed than I was before we started. Just thinking of those two examples. With positive inquiry, we look at what is working and try and build on it. Well, if there's nothing very much working at the moment, let's look backwards. You know, when sex was good, what was good about it? You know, what did we enjoy? You know, we enjoyed the long evenings, cuddling on the sofa beforehand, or we liked being able to get away to the beach, or what it was that worked. Um, and identify all the things that worked. You know, we've got time away from home, we've got time together to just get on the same wavelength. So we're beginning to identify what works. Um, and so the first stage of this is discover, discover what worked or what works still. You know, the time, you know, we had uh, really nice sex three weeks ago what made that work? Why was it so good? What did you like about it? You know, this is all positive inquiry. If somebody says something negative, write it down on a piece of paper and say, you know, that's important that we recognize that there is a problem with A, but let's put that to one side and we can talk about that later. Let's just stay with all the positive things. So this is the discover. And then we sort of dream about what is it that we would like? If anything was possible, what would we like? You know, we would like to have more space for ourselves, for example. We'd like to have more time. Um, we'd um, we'd like to do different things. Um, so you then think about how you would like it to be, and then you can begin to design how it could be. So we've just said that we need time together. Well let's arrange a weekend away again. Um, if we want longer together on the sofa beforehand and more time to um, to be together before we go into the bedroom, for example, then, you know, how can we arrange that? Well, we could have supper an hour earlier, for example. Um, you can actually begin to think of some practical things that would help. So if you can actually talk about sex... You, and in this sort of positive kind of way, rather than the, oh, what what's wrong sort of kind of way, you're beginning to get a creative mind together um, that's going to be really beautiful to bring into the bedroom. The other thing that I would say is slow the lovemaking down. Um, most couples, because they're short of time And, you know, they're worried about being overheard, have trained themselves to have sex as quickly and as silently as possible, which is not really very passionate and very exciting. So um, I would maybe not just slow it down, but actually just stay with the foreplay to actually say, however turned on we're going to be, we're not going to go and go for orgasm. because we sort of rush to... uh, I'm afraid this is a a male problem. We tend to rush for the breasts and the vagina um, and we don't make love to the whole person. And there's only a certain amount of time that um, our wives and girlfriends actually will put up with that sort of kind of behaviour without sort of zoning out. Um, And zoning out doesn't make for great sex. So um, I would say slow down, you know, actually spend your time um, stroking and being sensual. You know, really pretend you've never seen a human foot before. Um, imagine you've come from another planet, and you're going to spend ten, fifteen minutes exploring that foot. For example, I mean, obviously, if your partner is ticklish and they don't like their feet being touched, that's not the right place to start. <laughs> but you know, go go where the interest is, or you know, where the it even just stroking their arm and hand, you know, really look at it. It is extraordinary how our hands are put together, you know, feel it, feel where it sort of is rather nice, you know, the sort of lumpy, slightly lumpy thing on the back of your, on on where your fingers bend, you know, it's quite a an interesting sensation there. I'm just uh, stroking mine. And so if that's, you're finding that nice, you know, you stay there for a few minutes because you know our fingers are sources of great sensual pleasure you know really switch your fingers on and feel it we we spend so much time using our hands as implements um we don't actually stop in fact why don't you do this now just stop and just really feel at the end of your fingertips something you know it could be i've got my phone here as well and i'm just feeling the stitching on the um on the um on the cover And, you know, really feel the sensual pleasure of those little bumps going over your fingers. Switch your fingers on so they're not implements that you use to write or pick up a a knife and fork with um, or just go straight for the vagina, that you're actually feeling the sensual pleasure of touch. Because if you are feeling that sensual pleasure yourself of the touch, you know, your partner will feel the difference. This is a touch that's really there, that's actually really connecting rather than just sort of, you know, heading straight to the vagina.
1: Well, Andrew, we could talk about so many more things, but you've given us an amazing primer and foundation for things to think about, you know, resolving conflict in a productive way and then moving towards something more positive, how to communicate not that resolving conflicts not positive, but but how to communicate around sex or other things that are hard to talk about, so thank you so much for coming on the show today and sharing all this great information before we wrap up. Can you tell our listeners where they can find you online and if there 's anything that you want to emphasize that we went over or maybe something that we didn 't get to and then we 'll say goodbye
2: okay so i 'm um, Andrew g Marshall. Um, And you can find me at www.andrewgmarshall.com. I'm on Facebook, Pinterest and uh, YouTube and Twitter. Twitter is my main account. Um, I have a resource that I think you'll find really useful, which is called The Meaningful Life with Andrew G. Marshall. And I look at what makes life meaningful. And that can be meaningful relationships. It can be anything that makes life more meaningful. So I often talk about a lot of relationship-related things like boundaries, attachment theory, um, infidelity, as well as um, things like synchronicity and what happens at the end of life. So it's a a broad set of topics, but there's a lot about relationships and you'll find um, a lot of very useful material about uh, relationships. I have um 20 books um that I've written on relationships. I think the most important ones to mention here is I love you but I'm not in love with you, 7 steps to saving your relationship. Um and then I have two books that look at the difference for men and for women. So for men I have a book called My wife doesn't love me anymore and for women I have a book called uh, my husband doesn't love me and he's texting someone else because unfortunately Um, if you don't catch, I love you, but I'm not in love with you, it turns into I'm not in love with you and I'm in love with somebody else. So that's another reason for taking it very seriously.
1: Excellent. Well, we'll have the links to all of those resources and books in our show notes and at idopodcast.com. And thank you so much for coming on the show.
2: It's been an absolute delight. And I wish you every success with this wonderful resource that you're putting together for people.
0: how much or how little you want to do with your partner or maybe just yourself. So we hope you guys check that out. It's sparkmyrelationship.com forward slash unlock. Have a great day.